0: A couple of guys just doing their jobs, uh, well, they kind of thought they were, until these journalists found themselves arrested and charged with criminal obstruction. And their case is now in the courts in a story, you know, that comes out of the uh, St. Thomas, Ontario region. And, of course, it's caught the attention of media advocacy groups who say the charges against these journalists never should have been laid to begin with, that it's an assault on freedom of the press. So here's some of the background. John and Brett Houston, a father and son team who were reporting a story for the weekly community paper that involved a car crash near Lake Erie, where a car went over the cliff. And the SIU was brought in because the crash happened during an alleged car chase with the OPP. Now, both men are accused of driving past a road closure to get closer to the scene, but at no time. Did they interfere with the investigation? And advocates say this sets a dangerous precedent. And it's not the first time we've heard about this kind of thing, but it is, in fact, troubling. Let's talk about why. Karen Pugliese is the president of the Canadian Association of Journalists, and she joins me now. Karen, what is it about this particular case that you find so troubling?
1: Everything about this case Mm -hmm. I find troubling. Journalists have to be on the scene of these events, and this event in particular was an important one, because it's one that's not just uh, a regular accident, which the public does have a right to know about, but it was also an accident in which there was a question of whether or not police involvement had caused the accident. Mm -hmm. Now, that was cleared, but there was some suspicion that there might have been uh, a car chase that led to this other car going off the cliff and killing someone. So that's exactly the type of thing when that's going around a community that you want reporters to be there for. Sure. It's routine for reporters to show up and to be able to photograph and to ask some questions and cover this accident. So it's shocking what happened.
0: Yeah, do you get the sense that it's because this was a small town and that maybe these people uh, were thought to be inexperienced that this led to it? Because you're right, it is not unusual that reporters will find one way or another to get as close to a scene legally as they can. Um, And so do you get the sense that because this is a small town, maybe the police felt that they could push it? It, It's hard to know what the
1: police were thinking. I've seen cases like this where sometimes it's uh, police officers Mm -hmm. who are just, you know, I, I think sometimes the police officers aren't trained on the role of media. They're not trained on the rights of media. And so they don't respect them and they don't cooperate. And I think that's sometimes why we see these incidents occurring. In this particular case, the officer is not known to me, so I can't say for sure.
0: Right. It's not the first time we've heard it. One of my colleagues, Jeremy Cohen, has a case, a civil case, before the courts right now because he and a freelance uh, shooter on a story last year found themselves under arrest um, You know, for going and covering a scene. But at the same time, neither of them broke the rules, but you had a a child that had been killed. I don't know if it's a cop that didn't have the experience or was too emotional. But again, they interfered with the media's access to doing what we do, which is telling the news.
1: Exactly. And I know in that case, um, I've seen the video because I know it was videotaped where you see uh, the reporter the police uh, putting his hands on him and the reporter saying, don't put your hands on me. Mm -hmm. The camera going down to the ground and being ziplocked. The police officer getting up to him,
0: putting his knees in his back. It's shocking to watch that. It is. um, But in Jeremy's case, you know, he's got a big company, Global News. They will go through the process because they know how important it is to make sure that every precedent is set. Because you know, in this case, let's say with the the two men that are charged, which is Brett um, and John, uh, they're facing, you know, charges that are before the courts right now, but if, in fact, those charges hold, this becomes a precedent that makes it very difficult, Um, in fact, I think, endangers reporting.
1: Yeah, it's going to have to... If they were to lose the case, um, they almost certainly will have to appeal it, and it's going to appeal until... Um, I guess it becomes a charter case on on media rights. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the really important things, I think, for the public to understand is media rights are there not because I'm special or you're special because we're media. It's because mm-hmm. the public is special. It's because democracy is so important and media has such an important role in democracy that it's the only job that gets constitutional protection. And so that's why it's there, and so it's not really, media rights aren't really about media, they're about the public interest.
0: Right, because in this case, we are dealing with the SIU, which is a uh, uh, an outside arm uh, that is essentially looking over to make sure that the police are doing their job and following their laws and rules. And there's been a a lot of conversation about the role of the SIU because a lot of people feel that when the police get into trouble, a shield of blue goes up and protects them. So one way that we can make sure transparency is happening is by having the media there and covering off the issue. If the media can't go in and cover these kinds of stories without the fear that the police are going to stop them, you lose trust in the entire system.
1: That's right. And I, I think there were a lot of rumors flying around at the time, and I think a lot of people are asking themselves now, uh, what's going on with this case? Why did the police officers not want journalists to photograph? And then, you you know, I, what happened in court when they went to court yesterday was that the police showed up after having a year to prepare for this case. Right. They showed up with officers' notes at the last minute, never turned over to the defense, and now the whole thing has to be delayed until August 15th. So that's just, that's, why? I mean, you, you have to wonder why and what's going on.
0: Well, I mean, they do have the unions on their side, which will make sure that their side is protected. And it also ensures that they've got, and they'll also have the money behind them to fight these cases. Whereas you've got these two guys from a small town who likely don't have a huge budget and they have to pay these lawyering costs. So maybe their hope is that they can push this as long as possible. And, you mm-hmm. know, they can uh, Karen, make these cases go on for years with the hope that the charges will eventually just disappear and or the case will, will, lose interest in the spotlight.
1: It's absolutely true. Now, in this case, they do have a commercial printing company. So they're, you know, I mean, this has been stressful for the, the two reporters involved. Um, I mean, they're not enjoying it, but they're lucky so far that they've been able to hold their own because if they didn't have that company, they they've told me that they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have been all right. They wouldn't have been able to fight this.
0: How often does this happen?
1: Well, we've seen a few cases, right? Um, there's the uh, global media case that uh, you had mentioned. There was a freelancer who was also charged in uh, when he showed up for um, uh, to cover the accident in that case, and he actually pled out because he couldn't afford to fight it. But if you remember that case, um, the police had seized his camera, yeah, and yeah. we have no idea why. And because he pled out, and he wasn't able to fight that case. We never got answers on what the, what the officers were doing, taking a camera away from a reporter who was legitimately in a place he was allowed to be, covering a story he's allowed to cover. So um, we've also got the Justin Brake case, which, full disclosure, Justin Brake uh, has uh, come to work for me at APTN, mm-hmm. which is my day job. And uh, he's also facing criminal and civil charges. And he's waiting for his court case to come down. Another local, he was with local media, a small local media organization at the time that that happened. So we're seeing a lot of these cases. I mean, there was the one in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Now, in that case, the charges were dropped. But that was um, the case of Yvonne uh, Dubé. And he was arrested for asking follow-up questions. And the person who he was asking the questions of Uh, uh, called police and said that he was harassing her. Now, when they realized that he was a reporter and what was going on, the charges in that case were dropped. Mm -hmm. But you really have to wonder, especially since a lot of these are, you know, uh, with local reporters, to what extent it's police pushing the envelope and maybe
0: trying to set a precedent,
1: or whether it really is just ignorance on their part. Right. Journalists have the right to be there, just like police, just like ambulance services.
0: Right, and they also have to abide by the laws. So they can't cross over crime scenes. They can't. They they have to be uh, as careful as uh, as anybody else. Um, but in a time where you know we are fighting fake news and fake information, it is important to make sure the stories are told.
1: And it, it is important to say that in this case. Um, and it was similar in the, the Global Media case. They did not go near the crime scene. Yep. Global Media uh, stayed 150 meters away. Here, they were 50 meter, meters away from the site. And they were asking officers, where can we stand? Mm-hmm. Where can we be? All they had to do is say, stand there, take your pictures, and they would have lost. Absolutely. And none of this would have happened.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll stay on this and uh, see where it goes through the courts. But I appreciate you uh, joining us. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. And the case uh, will be back in the courts a little bit later in the month. So we'll see where this one goes. Karen Puglielazy is, uh, of course, watching this with the Canadian Association of Journals. So we'll touch base with her again. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson, and that is this is Global News Radio. <laughs>